Welcome to the Lesbo and the Bean universe. Lesbo and the Bean. L-A-T-B. Lat-B. Where mixed martial arts and the UFC get silly. Big silly. Buckle up and move your tray tables to their upright position. And please, somebody shut that baby up. It's time for Lesbo and the Bean. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 158. Yeah, but backwards. <laughs> it should be 157, but we but didn't really, Yeah, we're going to end up labeling this so that you guys are going to know what's going on. But officially, DraftKings lines have dropped. We have all of the bouts on the card for the UFC finale. We all know what we're here for. We didn't need to break into all the other Twitter turf battles because... There wasn't really much from yesterday. Other, <laughs> well, two days, well, a day and a half essentially. Yeah, it hasn't been that long since. Other last than time lines dropping. Um, Robbie Lawler Ben Askren is official, official, but oh, we've talked about we that said so it many was... times, like official. Right, 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 right. Um, 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 yeah, I don't think I can't even recall anything else. I did like that John Jones said. I wish people would stop talking about DC to me like we are one and one. I liked that, like, because I'm one of those people <laughs> that that's the fight I keep wanting to see, and I'm like, why do I need to see that anymore? Right, he smoked him last time around, but um, yeah. Other than John Jones news, which will be coming soon enough, I think we can just get into the thirteen card bout. Tough house, tough house. What tough is it? This is, I believe, tough twenty eight, tough twenty eight or twenty nine. Hard hitters. It is the heavyweights. Tough and 28 finale. Coached by Kevin Gastelum and Robert Whitaker. Again, the heavyweights are profiled, as well as the what what weight division for the ladies? 145. 145, also known as the 145ers. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> are they featherweights? They're not featherweights. No, they're the same as the dudes 145. What's Max Holloway? Is he the featherweight? Maybe featherweight. Yeah, it's the featherweight. Yeah. Featherweight. Okay. 145. So 145. No, wait. What is yeah, Chris it is Cyborg? Yeah, she's a featherweight. She's the featherweight yeah, champion? Yeah, she's the featherweight champion. Okay. <laughs> That's it. There's so many names. So, so many. And with this fight weekend, not only um, is there here weight classes to remember, there's also, again, boxing going on, a ton of other cards. Betting-wise... I don't feel, I feel like out of the two nights, Adelaide being on Saturday, Friday night finale, I see better betting options, I feel like on Saturday, hmm. and there's so many bets to make, uh, maybe I'm just going to speckle through, but ooh, there's a lot of bets, so I don't think you have to go super heavy on one card, I think you can speckle it either way. And, and sometimes, weekend. do you remember that old, before the, it was draft on DraftKings, what was the counter move? Counter move was a shit. <laughs> so counter move, they when there was two fights like this back to back, they'd let you pick from all oh, the so fighters. Dope. So who knows? Maybe DraftKings, if you hear this or if you um, start to change things, maybe we wouldn't mind that. That really it it spreading things up so you didn't finish with like ten people at the same number. It really made a difference in scores, and it was super exciting. If somebody picked all the way right, they could have gotten 700 points. It really made things different back then. So Totally um, agree. That would have been fun. So there's room to grow. Definitely still evolving in the MMA world. We're going to come out of Vegas for this finale. Usually they tend to do these finale shows in Las Vegas because of the Performance Center as well as just the taping of the Tough House, which officially we had said that this was the last season, and now we've started to hear word that it might not be the last season. That ESPN I heard it wasn't at all. At all? Because I had heard it was three months ago I when it started. I heard it was, but now I heard you're right that it's not. They've picked it up so, again and they want to keep rule it Rule number one, if you want a UFC, and that is don't trust Dana White. Rule number one. <laughs> yeah, that's easy to say. If Dana White says it, it's almost not going to The happen. other way. Uh, the other way completely. But, he probably has a zero. He's the opposite of WikiLeaks. He is, he, he's, a, he's a 0% su- approval or success or uh, honesty, correctness, correctness rating. Definitely. <laughs> but that's his job. He's got to do what he's got to do to make whatever deals. The deal we got to start off with is at 135 pounds, the Bantamweights are going to get it going with Roni Barsolis versus debuting Kritz. 
Gutierrez, there's going to be a lot of debut fighters, a lot of Who do you think is the biggest there? bantamweight ever? Like just Size-wise? Famous. Size -wise? famous oh. When you think bantamweight. Oh, uh, I guess. Oh, Cody Garbrandt? Michael Ronda Rousey. Right away. Oh. Like, that's Ronda Rousey's weight class. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. Still, even though I'm she... I'm scoring. Yeah. I'm still scoring. I don't like I bringing up too. that name. Still scoring. So, <laughs> I think there was even a little documentary starting to come out on uh, Fight Pass about her. So, check There's it out if you want to. There's a few things they've released of lately. I haven't watched any of them. But Me apparently, neither. they interview, like, it shows Misha Tate and Chris Cyborg. Ooh. So, I wonder if they say good shit about Ronda. need to get into that one. But I had to do a lot of tape study in a short amount of time, so I haven't been able to get into those type of documentaries yet. But Barcelos, he's fought already once in the UFC and ended up, he has a 12-1 record, got Kurt Hollibaugh out of there quickly four months ago with a nasty uppercut. But Barcelos is coming in with all sorts of hype, came in with all sorts of hype, great ground game, uh, dedicated jiu-jitsu guy tons of power on the feet and he throws with intent because he's not worried about getting put on the ground and his record reflects that he's a finisher Barsolas is a finisher the lines reflect that and Chris Gutierrez getting a huge step up in competition again this being his debut he had a run at I believe it was world series of fighting potentially but he lost those decisions, went back onto his local scene, and has been able to come off of a three-fight winning streak, coming back to the LFA, which is a good competition. And his last fight, he beat... Who was the young man he beat there? He's 12-2, and two, and he beat Ray Rodriguez's submission a month ago, but Gutierrez, on the ground, isn't going to beat Barsolas. Striking isn't going to beat him. And gas tank-wise, we haven't seen Barsolas get to the third round, but I don't think that's going to get here either we like to tell you guys to stay away from these type of fights because it is going to start off the entire night and i don't know if i agree with that on this fight heavy favor for a reason minus 500 i got barcelos finishing this in the first round as well this he comes after you and i think the line reflects that who do you have in this fight I have Barcelos KO round two as well um i might stay away from this just to keep good faith even though he should when everywhere, I, you know what, uh, the fight in Adelaide, I, I'll also like the first fight of the night. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting weekend there going on. Barcelos, 9,500 on DraftKings against Gutierrez, 6,700. I think it's I'm so confused now. We did so many fights, and then I've also <laughs> just been watching old Tyson Fury fights all... Um, oh, that's a different breakdown. Yes, I know. It's so crazy. I got, we hey, have both have Tyson Fury. Fans, if you want us to do a wilder Tyson Fury... Throw a shout out out there. Maybe we'll get it to you. Maybe we gotta let you, we gotta know if it's just MMA or all combat sports related. I know we have actual fights to watch tomorrow night. I, I, I'm pumped. I'm. I pumped. am excited about it. So Late birthday, late birthday present for nine thousand five hundred. We he has had a fight already. Barcelos has, and he finished Hollibaugh, who's had over four fights in the UFC, huh. who's later on on the card. That's why I also feel like the lines being steamed up here. Um yeah 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 so we go on to the welterweights where tim means takes on ricky rainey 27 10 and 1 tim the dirty bird means has had a two-fight losing streak losing as of late to sergio mariah's in a split decision and bilal muhammad in a split decision Beating Alex Garcia's in a decision. We've seen Means in there for a long, long time. We know what he likes to do. Dirty Bird loves to throw those elbows. Good Muay Thai. Good striking. Good clinch. On the ground serviceable, but really isn't going to blow you out. Tim Means doesn't really shoot shots in there either. He's a striker through and through. Has good takedown defense and can actually keep the fight where he wants most of the time. Is why he would usually get these decisions if not finishes you. Rick Rainey has had a mixed career in there. He debuted in the UFC against Muslim Sakalov seven months ago and ended up getting TKO'd. He was a big underdog there, and it showed Rainey has some experience out of Bellator, really tends to be a wrestler at 35 years old with a 13-5 and record. He, at Bellator, was having tough fights using his wrestling. I feel like the step up in competition, especially against somebody like the Dirty Bird who has good takedown defense, once this fight starts to get into the second and third round, Rainey tends to gas a little more out of the both fighters. Means kind of 
has that kickboxing style where he wakes up more as the fight goes on and Rainy, Rainy fades. And for that, I feel like Means can keep this where he wants the entire time on the ground. I don't think even if Rainy gets it there, he's going to be able to submit Means. We haven't really seen that from Rainy. So this is Means' fight to win or lose. And I have Means winning a decision. He's a big favorite here. But I'm going to have to stay away from it because that it, 37 years old and Means gets hurt in there and fights. 34. 34. Sorry. I, same, same. So <laughs> <laughs> fight years wise, he's yeah. 37 in there for sure. But ugh, Dirty Bird, he this is a crucial fight. I think he can get it done, but I do think the line's a little off. I think it's steep. I think it should be more two to one instead of four to one favorite. For Tim Means. Who do you have in this fight? Tim Means, we have not liked why he was fighting over the last few years. Every time he's in there just seems like an off time. And he says it himself in every interview. Like, yeah, I'm really just doing this for the paycheck this time because I'm in the middle of a lawsuit, blah, blah, blah. It's like, let's stop talking about this. Let's stop fighting for these reasons. Let's (laughs) stop. This seems like it's going to be a boring fight, in my opinion. And I want to stay far away from it. I don't see either guy making a ton of points. And I think Ricky Rainey could sneak out a dirty split decision. Even though I have Means' decision, I don't think this should even be a two-to-one favorite. I think this should be... I think Means should be favorited, but closer to even being even even money. I agree with that 100%. And I like your call here with the potential split decision, Rainey. This is going to be a dirty fight. I agree that this can be a fight weekend, one of the worst fights of the weekend. It might be. Like, slowest-wise, they're going to slow each other down a lot. Um, Something's off with Tim Means lately. I agree. I've seen it, too, and I haven't been able to put my finger on it. Uh, He has been fighting tough competition, though. Both of these guys have. So, Tim Means, 9,400 against Rick Rainey, 6,800. To me, this is one of those value wage engager plays on Rainey. I'm not going to bet him. I think him. they both have decent enough chins, and neither of them have tons of power. So I'm, I do th- I do see it going all the way to the end. So if I, Rainey is tons cheap, he might be the guy. Might be. And let him get finished in the first 13 seconds and be like, oh, well, there goes our value Tim Means is back, right. everyone. 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, I do know people say that uh, Rainey is chinny, but... I don't think so. That the last fight that that was a beast he fought in there, and uh, he's been able to take better shots. So Andy took the appropriate amount of time off. Yeah, seven months. I agree with that as well. Moving on to the fifty fivers, we have debuting Roosevelt Roberts versus Daryl Horcher. Horcher's thirteen and three, coming in a in a speckled record in the UFC, losing his first fight to Khabib Nurmagomedov, which. He fought that fight to get in the UFC because he wasn't going to get in otherwise. Since then, has been able to beat Devin Powell, but recently came off a loss to Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman, who, by the way, has regenerized. And this year, Holtzman is one of the prospects that I'm all in on. That guy looked amazing. So, Horchard, tough fight in there. Roberts, tons of hype, 6-0, and oh, getting a win in the UFC contender house, winning via submission. I believe he has a wrestling uh, background. The 24-year-old has been able to really use his punches and strikes to get it done in there. He has a mix-up between uh, finishes and TKOs and submissions. Dynamic striker. Thing with him is we haven't seen his gas tank as much in there. We haven't seen him into the third round often. He really tends to blow people out of there. And uh, do you remember a guy named T? Tahiri? T. Turari? Who was T? T against the Magic Man who finished everyone with 6-0, came off of the Contender Series, his first bit of competition, real competition, he got flatlined in the first round. Oh, no. That's probably why I don't remember him. Yeah, exactly. I remember him because my bets shit the bed that night. They shit (laughs) the bet that day via T. And I feel like Roberts is in that boat. He's got a lot of big finishes against lower competition, and we've seen Horchard now. I don't care. Win or lose against uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, you're getting better after that. I guarantee it. Beating also Devin Powell worth of a fighter. I just feel like I got Daryl Horcher in a decision here, and he's a big underdog. And I feel like this going into the second and third round, oh, I could switch from this. The hype. A lot of people have Roosevelt Roberts, but I feel like Mueller taught me a lesson last week. God dang, Mueller taught me a lesson. So... I got Horcher decision, 30-ass split. I say stay away from this fight. I don't think it's a 
decided one way or the other. Who do you have in this fight? I was going to tell you, I think the lines on this are way off, and this should be a dead even fight. Yeah, Roosevelt, good guy, but he's not in the UFC yet. And Holtzman, or um, Horcher, he has been in there with, like you were just saying, Holtzman's one to watch, and Khabib are his losses. Like, come on, Mm -hmm. are you kidding? So... I think Roosevelt's going to gas. All his finishes are too quick, in my opinion, and he doesn't have a build of a guy that looks like he'll gas. I just think he's getting in there with a next-level grinder, and he's going to try for the same submission over and over again. I don't think his ring IQ is going to be as good as Horcher's, and I think Horcher's just going to eke out a decision. I think the lines are way, way, way off here, and I also have Horcher, decision, big underdog, and I thought I was going to have a crazy pick. I thought I was going to have so crazy. Wow. So I stick with what I know and I don't know anything about Roosevelt. Roosevelt's blown out a lot of, dare I say, bums or guys that are just not UFC caliber at all in there. So Roosevelt, 9,200 on DraftKings against 7,000 for Daryl Horcher. I got an underdog, but I don't feel like this is the only one this night. So maybe I was jumping the gun on Adelaide. This is a, I would jump the gun on Adelaide saying it was a better betting option. I guess I'm just a little tentative because I feel like I have more underdogs than I should. The Adelaide seems easier because we know a lot more of the fighters. Like, know them, True, know them. true, true. We've really seen like... them much more. And it's hard to watch tape. Well, we got we had times on these. Ugh. Either way, we got to mash a fun-filled weekend of fights. You got to be making money one way or the other this weekend. So, moving forward, we have the Featherweights coming off of the show. Both of, This is one of those dirty double-double debuts. We're going to have a few Ugh. throughout the night. And this was a fight that didn't happen in the house, that they lost in the house, didn't make it to the finals, and now they're fighting each other. But this season of Tough 28 has been one of the lowest caliber seasons of all time in two divisions of heavyweight and 145 women's, which not only does the UFC have trouble finding talent, every other organization has trouble finding talent. Because if you're a big man that can move, you're playing basketball or football, and oh wait are you skipping a fight did i already skip one no daryl horcher versus yeah horcher roberts and then letson versus stolio yeah this is a double debut oh you're talking about women right now i yeah oh i thought you were talking about football players and stuff i thought you were already (laughs) no 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 what i'm saying is in the tough house the because this was a 145ers and heavyweights this was the 45ers women but for, I'm saying for the heavyweights, it's hard to find talent. For the 145ers, it's hard to find talent yeah, as well. Yeah, It's okay. in the same, same boat. Okay. So it's a really depleted division. I guess I went about it around a, wrong, a long way. But four and two, debuting Juliana I could have been patient. Stercoli. I just wanted to, <laughs> I could have been patient. I was just staring at them and then fo- I was like, I don't know, maybe these bitches played football. <laughs> what do I know? No, they're, they were just doing other stuff. Some of them have... Um, some Olympic credentials in there. Lena Lenston is not one of those. Being four and one, both of these fighters are just have really low level competition. We've seen a lot of them, and uh, or what we've seen from them has been against other low level fighters. What I saw on the show with these ladies is they're both really, really rough. The 24-year-old 4-1 Lenton is the favorite coming off of a four-fight winning streak. She's a bit more of a wrestler, and she's fighting out of the States. Pura Vida BJJ, Wisconsin fighter, against the Lithuanian who had mixed fights out of the European scene. I did happen to watch a couple of her fights. She lost to Luis Pudilova. She also lost to two other UFC fighters. I can't look into right now, but she's had a three-fight winning streak after a two-year hiatus. I believe she's only 26 years old as well. And Damn, she looks old. She looks old, but she's been fighting since she was like 18 years old over in the European scene. And I would have wished that she would have grown more on the show because she still looked really rough at 26 with having a couple UFC caliber fighters that she lost decisions in there against. Um, from what I saw on the show, I think Lenton wins a decision, but, ah, this is going to be one of those lowest fights of the weekend. One of those that you can go make your popcorn, make your mac and cheese, get ready for the next one. Cause this is going to be a slop fest. You could also see a quick finish here for either side. Cause an arm bar will throw up out of anywhere, mm-hmm. but the Lithuanian 
they're both prospect enough that they can blow me out of the water, but I'm going to stay so far away from this one. I got less than decision. I'm me no likey. I have Letson KO round three. I almost just don't even want to pick this fight. Agreed. <laughs> like, I agree with you. I don't even have anything to say about it. 8,900 on DraftKings against Julie uh, for Leston against Stracoli Co. 7,300. Stay away. You're, that's a trap fight. Either one of those fighters is going to get 20 points. Both of them are going to get 20 points. Like, yeah, it's no likey. Oh, yeah, I don't even want to talk. About <laughs> so we move on to the heavyweights. This is another tough house fight of the semifinalists who didn't see each other. Now they're getting the meet. They usually tend to do this on the finale fight cards. And at 265, we have Maurice, Mr. Green, against Michelle Batista, 4-0 Cuban wrestler, who was a bronze medalist, bronze medalist in Greco-Roman in the 2008 Olympics. That's all they could talk about on the show. Mr. Green is a kickboxer with glory accolades. Um, he's 5-2 in MMA and is coming off of a loss... His last fight, a loss to Hughes via decision. And on the show, what we saw from these guys was Mr. Green has the potential to be a top five contender in the heavyweight division. He's six foot ten striker, but not the best takedown defense. But if you can't get him down, he can jab you apart, uses his clinch really well, throws a lot of knees in there, elbows, and is just an athletic stud. Especially with that size, he's just an immediate infusion. So does he just, like, bend down and triangle choke people? No, because he's not that level of a grappler, unfortunately. Mr. Green? Mr. Green is he not... He has a lot of finishes from submissions. Does he really? Uh, not from what I was seeing on the show. Um, Legacy, he has a knee finish. He has submission triangle choke. That would be off of his back. And submission arm triangle. Yeah, that would be from the top side, potentially. But um, against Batista, the wrestler... This guy has a win over Daniel Cormier in wrestling competition. They're one what? and one. They've wrestled twice. And actually, Daniel Cormier was going to wrestle Batista for Olympic in 08. But uh, Daniel Cormier missed weight. Batista did it. And then he moved forward. There was no towel there. Yeah, exactly. So Batista came in with all of his wrestling accolades on the show. And he proved it. He goes for the takedown. Striking-wise, minimal minimal striking mm. for Batista, he'd lay and praise on you. He goes over position over submission. He will just get on you and win decisions nonstop. At 34 years old as well, I was hearing earlier that, hey, he's one of those Joel Romero Cuban fighters. This mofo is probably 42. Uh, okay. <laughs> like, you look at his body and you're like, really? This guy does not look like he's just 34. Um, So, on all that, you would think, hey... Mr. Green should knock this guy out immediately, but Mr. Green can't get decisioned out. He doesn't have the best takedown defense, and he'll sometimes jump into those flying knees and won't be able to get off of his back once he gets taken to the ground. Batista can do that 100%. The things that I don't like about Mr. Green is that he's his own worst enemy in that on the show, even if he had a fight, he was getting drunk every night, and then it came out that his family, ton of alcohol issues, not only alcohol issues, he's sneaking cigarettes during the show. The coaches told him, hey, dude, you need to stop. Hey, dude, you need to stop smoking. There was even a female fighter who tried to leave the show because he weirded her out so much. Because he's got his eyes, if you can't tell in that photo, he's looking at two different people at any given uh, time. Oh, he has the, a womp eye? He's got a crazy, crazy eye. And they even called him pirate in there <laughs> during the show because of his eye. But he got belligerent drunk like at one in the afternoon and was picking fights with people. And we don't know what happened to Mr. Green when he goes home. If he goes to a rough home situation where it's the holidays and people know you're making money and it's easy for you to turn to the bottle, he could come in looking like garbage. Mm. Absolute garbage against a grinder wrestler. That just means bad, bad news. I love Mr. Green because he has all the potential in the world, but he's also his own worst enemy. I think the line is spot on, honestly. It mm. should be about even. It could be a really... I think all the value, though, DK-wise is, is on Mr. Green and not Batista. Batista wins a 30-point decision. Mr. Green finishes you. So I'm going to go with Mr. Green TKO round number one, maybe wow. round number two. But I'm super hesitant on this guy. This guy's got demons and... 
Louis Smoka had like the they they'll, they'll shit the bed when they're plus four hundred all or minus four hundred all of a sudden. Hmm. Who do you have in this fight? I have green submission round three, but I just now that you said all that, I'm so nervous. I didn't watch any of this Tough House season, and the, I mean both guys are beating kind of garbage guys, you know. And yeah, Mr. Green. green has a better record. Um, I'm gonna stick with Mr. Green, but I'll probably stay far far away from this fight. On DraftKings, Maurice Green is 8,700 against Batista, 7,500. I don't see a play in Batista there at all. If you're going to go one way of it, it is Mr. Green, but I'm just saying he's not a dead lock to win this fight because he does have issues. A caveat with what I watched on the show, I wasn't watching every single week. Um, I watched that like three days ago. In one afternoon, like, <laughs> you were like, <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't jam. I know, I, I didn't hear you talk about it, but I know, do know you watch tape, so you like won't watch all the garbage, but you might watch their. I fights. put the fights on, and also what I feel like is really valuable is the breakdown of what happened the week before. If you just watch the first five minutes where oh, it tells yeah. you that, and then you watch the fight, you don't need all that stupid garbage about you don't it, need everything. The drama in between, exactly the forty-five minute filler. So, just saying, wait a. Uh, time management skills there. So moving on, we have a premier fight that's buried on the preliminaries with Joseph Benavidez coming in against Alex Perez. Benavidez rescheduled a few times over. Bunch of his fighters. Was it Sergio Pettis was the last guy who fought out on him? Hmm. But. He fought Sergio Pettis. Oh, sorry. There was. Well, we might have been uh, Ray Borg. I think you're right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sergio Pettis was a. His, is Ray Borg a 125-er? Yeah, he's against Scrawn. Tries to, but then he doesn't make it, and yeah. then falls out of the fight. So, <laughs> Alex Perez... No, but last time it was his son. Son, his it was son his son. His son had to go to Which emergency is, surgery. He's had a few, and it, the, I see the kid smiling on there, so that's good. I see him smiling, in a, and his eyes open. So, if you can donate, go ahead. And um, for another update, speaking of, every time I think of Ray Borg's <laughs> son, it reminds me of Brendan Schaub's son, and the Brendan Schaub thing. Um, still... CBD oil, about a month now, seizure-free for his kid. So if anyone's having issues like that or knows anyone that does, uh, don't take my word for it. Do research for yourself, and there is CBD oil out there. Or try it out. Try it out. Hashtag try it out. Try it out. So... Benavidez. Isn't it funny we're not filming this one I keep today? Looking. I know, I do too. <laughs> I look at the, audi- the YouTube audience like... So wah, wah. also for the... YouTube audience, if you haven't already realized, this is not going to have video because it's a short notice heavy hitter, just like this bout's going to be with Alex Perez and Benavidez. So if you need to see our face, you can watch uh, our breakdown of UFC Adelaide. Perez coming in with a 21 and 4 record. He's definitely fought. He came in and beat Joe, Joey or Jose Torres three months ago, beat Eric Shelton in a split decision. And also beat De Thomas. Perez has been able to usually get it done on the ground. Has a good submission game. Good striking. Good body shots. Good cardio. A prospect all the way around at 26 years old. A lot of people are getting behind him. And I'm surprised to see him here as a minus 135 favorite against Benavidez. Who I know we've been talking a little bit of crap on as well. And hey, when you got a hot wife, it's just that much easier. Just saying. Just saying. So They're the same cute to me. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think he, I don't think she outshines him. I think he's a little cutie too. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think. And she's okay. And he's okay. Do you feel like at home that they're like building gingerbread houses and like making toys and stuff like that? Yeah, I think they like play video games together. They seem like they go like walk a boardwalk and do that dance dance revolution together. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they're totally. Not a couple. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully that works. But Joey B's only lost to top level competition and even against. Uh, Sergio Pettis, I feel like I've broken down Benavidez like three fights now that he hasn't come to fruition. And it's all kind of the same thing over and Maybe over again. Maybe that's something we should like keep an eye on for this fight. Yeah, weigh-ins, right? Still uh-huh. haven't. No, have they happened? They did happen. They're happening right now. As weigh-ins we are speak. happening. So, so, Joey B, though, uh, hopefully got a haircut. That real slim, shady haircut was not working. At least get a fade if you're going to dye it. And we know what we get with this top five fighter. He... Is good all the way around. Good gas tank. Is that a team elevation with TJ? Maybe the juice is flowing. Maybe it's not. They are fighting in the States. But Perez is going to give him a handful here. I just don't see 
Joey Benavidez getting completely outshined in there. And I guess the line reflects that at a plus 105. I'm going to have to go with Joey B. Decision here. This is a fight of the night potential for sure, for sure. I'm excited for this one. I'm surprised it's buried on the prelims. This should be a main event. Either fight, either night, this could have been on the main card. And this one's going to come to bang. I got the underdog, Joey Benavidez. Who do you have in this fight? I think this is going to be such a display. The only thing I don't like is ring rust for Joey B here. And that's why I'm going with Alex Perez's decision. I think I'm actually surprised. I thought I was going with the underdog on this fight, um, having Perez's decision. But I've noticed a lot of people come out really hot on him of today. Yep. Um, and I think it's crazy that this isn't on the main card. This is going to be such a great stand-up right. fight, a grappling exchange. It's going to be so exciting and fast everywhere. It, it it could even be on the night of TJ Dillashaw, Cejudo of the last 125. Like, this is up there for that caliber uh, fight. Um, I got Perez's decision, but for no big reason. And I could see myself going with either guy, depending on how much I can afford, because I think there's going to be so many points involved in both guys. I agree with that. I don't see that being a bad spot at all. And 8200 for Alex Perez against 8000 for Joey Benavidez. I could see either one of them. I think going with both of them, Stacking them on a card? might be better than picking somebody you think is going to lose that's only 7-5 but might get 30 points. I think both of these guys could get over 30 and somebody could still get 90. I agree with that. I think that's a good call right or there as 50 well. 50 and 90. You know, because there are a lot of punches. As long as nobody gets finished. Right. And I don't see that. I don't think they have that kind of power. Did you see, it's reminding me because of their gloves. Sure. Did you see that they're really changing the UFC gloves? Finally? Are they officially doing it? To do it more like... The pancreation gloves. Or no, the pride gloves. Pride gloves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Finally. Yeah. Finally. You're going to see eye pokes go so far down. Yeah, it's going to be It's so going to be awesome. Um, you might have seen the occasional thumb in the eye. <laughs> so... This is a coin flip, about as coin flip as it gets. It's going to be minus 115 by 5K. So if you got a good read either way. I'm just going with the youth and the fast. This is a, such a fast division. Everything's so fast. So I'm just going with the 26-year-old there. Uh, so fast that it's on out of here. <laughs> it's going to be one of the last fights at 125 pounds. Yeah. On to the 45ers. Featherweight, we have Rick Glenn against debuting. Is it a debut? Yes, it is. For Kevin Aguilar, who does have a split decision win over Joey Gomez four months ago on the Contender Series. Did that they both get a, that decision split win? Did they Joey Gomez and Kevin Aguilar both get a tight, get to fight in the UFC? Uh, no, 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 no. It's so rare we no. see a decision get guy into. Yeah. yeah, I would agree, but that might be a testament to as fun of a fight it was. I can't think of that fight off the top of my head, Me and either. I didn't go back to watch it necessarily, uh, that specific one. Um, the LFA standout as well is 15-1. and one. He's on a great winning streak, but he has wins over Damon Jackson, who's no longer in the UFC, or who's been around the top of the UFC as well. He's beaten other fighters who are 8-1 and one in there, but Aguilar can do well against lower-level competition, and Rick Glenn, at 21-5, and five, has been an elite-level fighter for a long time, losing to people like Rick Glenn, but beating Felipe Nover, Gavin Tucker, getting a loss in there against Miles Jury, and last beating Dennis Bermudez in a split decision, which I would say Bermudez beats Aguilar, potentially here. Mm -hmm. eh, maybe the chin. Maybe the chin for Bermudez, but... Rick Glenn, we know what he's going to do in there. He He's one of these grinders. He's one of these Nakamura Hirota guys. Yeah. He puts it on you, takes you down, and will submit you if you leave an opening there. And Aguilar has shown a good gas tank, but it's been against lower-level competition. Rick Glenn has not faltered in there against high-level competition, and I feel like Aguilar is going to realize what a UFC-level caliber fighter is, and Rick Glenn's going to show him, and I have the slight favorite in a minus-110 against the minus 120 Aguilar. I got Rick Glenn on this as a decision. I don't know if I'm going to play this much on DraftKings because I do see a decision for either fighter. I have Glenn here? as well, and I think it's going to be a grind and a low-point fight. So same, I agree same. with you to stay away from it. Uh, 7,800 for Rick Glenn against Kevin Aguilar's 8,400 on DraftKings. So maybe, mm, yeah, no, this is a low fight. I'm not, I don't even like giving people those low fighters. Like, oh, put this low guy to save your night because it just screws you every time. We need finishes. We need them bad. And 
opening up the main card. Hopefully we get a finish here, but the more and more I look at the tape, the more and more I'm like, oh, maybe it's not going to happen. At flyweight, we have Antonina Shevchenko coming in, debuting against Ji Young Kim. Kim had a few fights in UFC being 8-1. and one. She's has a two-fight winning streak in the UFC against Justine Kish and also beating uh, Fabian in a split decision five months ago. Shevchenko is 6-0. and oh. You know what we get. She's coming off of the Contender Series. Older sister of Valentina. Muay Thai striker. But unfortunately for Antonina and a lot of these siblings that we see in the UFC, there's a David Tamor and there's a other Tamor. <laughs> there's a Chris Carriasso or freaking Kamozi and there's a other, other Kamozi. There's one and then there's the other. We know Valentina because there's she's a, a big top nog. Uh, and then there's a little nog. Well, we know. <laughs> Who are the other ones? Uh, Mokhtarian. There's a Mokhtarian and then the other Mokhtarian. <laughs> but you only tend to remember one there's of those. There's Nurgunamedov and the other. Nurgana and all the Kometovs and all these cousins. <laughs> but uh, and T Antonina, even Muay Thai striking wise, she has. A ton. I believe she's like only lost four or five fights. Most of those went to decision. She only has, I believe, over like 30 fights. Only six of them ever went to finish. And that was striking wise. She's a decision fighter. And in um, her MMA career, she's taken a hiatus. And all of these fights have also been decision. She's just somebody who doesn't pull the trigger. She's a competitor. Her sister's a competitor. But I feel like she's getting a lot of hype. From her sister. A lot of people think that she goes in there and mauls people. And she really doesn't. She's a very tactician. Good fight IQ. We see that from both sisters. But she doesn't have that knockout power. And she doesn't necessarily have that knockout win. To go in and brutally take over the fight. Where her sister. Yeah we know she does. That's why we back her. Um, I still back Antonina. I do think she should win here. Kim is a striker as well. Has some of the longest arms in there. 72 inches. Is uh, look at her. She. I just remember seeing uh, some footage of her, and she has some gangly arms. They say on the, the only woman with a longer reach is Megan Anderson. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's a whole 25 pounds heavier, 20 yeah. pounds heavier. And she's t enormous, Megan Anderson. Yeah. She's like 6'2 or something. Yeah, crazy. Uh, but Kim likes to strike in there as well. And against Shevchenko, I just see a game plan not working out for you. Takedowns could come into play, but... On the ground, we know what Shevchenko's been get re getting ready for. We got Valentina coming up next weekend, profiling, going to be styling all over somebody. And she's had her sister to get ready there with. I just feel like the line's inflated here at minus she's 330. She's had her sister, Chris Cyborg, Rose Nama Yunus. She's like rolling with a friggin' crew. Definitely. But I do think the line's inflated here. I have decision for Shevchenko, um, but I think it should be in that minus 200, minus 150, because I see a decision here. I don't see a finish at all in it. The minus 300 is finish implications. Prop bet, Shevchenko decision is what I'm going to be putting my money on. Who do you have in this fight? Ji Yeon Kim, she tends to do really well when she's going against people with mild grappling. That seems to be how she shines. But when she goes against a point-fighting stand-up person like Antonia Shevchenko, she loses every time. Um, well, I guess she's only lost once, but it's to Pudlova, and Pudlova is a lesser version of Antonia Shevchenko. Totally. Um, Antonia has a great stand-up, and she is a point fighter. You're entirely right. She's not trying to knock anyone out in there. She's a point fighter all day. Uh, she's smart in there. I do think, and maybe it's even the setting of her contender series, she didn't show out. That was not her best fight. That was not her best fight. She had, other, she had better fights uh -huh. um, beforehand. But if Jian Kim, because I'm saying that she could... I think Shevchenko has better takedown defense. I don't know what her grappling's like at all. Yeah, so I her. hope she stays on her feet, and I hope she doesn't get taken down. She is the older sister, so I could see uh, the bullet getting the belt at 125 and actually testing the waters at 135 again because without Amanda Nunes there, I think bullet could carry that belt of the 135 division. I could see her leaving this division to her sister, and the 125 is weak AF. 
they're the two two of the top three women in the division probably. Yeah. So I and do have Shev, Shevchenko. Decision. One of them's on just name recognition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just name recognition. And completely. that you know she's fighting with her sister. That right. like you know training she's with her. Yeah. yeah training with Beast. Uh, so yeah, I have her decision as well. I don't know how many points she's gonna lay. I agree with that, and that's why nine thousand three hundred. For Shevchenko against 6,900, it's too steep. I'm not going to play that anymore. I agree, and I actually think you save your money on Antonia this week and save it for Big Sister Shevchenko. <laughs> <laughs> roll it over on DraftKings in that one. <laughs> That's when you roll over. That's, That's one the piece of advice I give. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those classic lap B plays. You stay away from this Shevchenko. And for, for sure. that cheap? I don't see Jiyoung Kim getting finished, and I could see myself putting her on a card. I agree with that value-wise. Value-wise, she's going to allow I could me... put all Slayers and then somebody that's going to get 30 points. I don't think that's a, the worst call in the world. And Antonia Shevchenko, with the win, is maybe going to get 68 tops. 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 And she's comfortably over. I'm just That's right. with, like, 20-point but, but that's what I'm saying. For 300, you're like, that's pretty much finishing. you got to finish yeah. when you're a three. So the line's off there. Moving on to the main card. If you haven't liked and subscribed, what are you doing? What are you doing? You gotta. We open up the fight with Darren, the dentist Stewart, against debuting Edmund Zabaharian. Zabahar, how would you Zabazian. Zabazian? Shabazian. Coming off of the Contender Series, beating Jones in a TKO four months ago. Darren Stewart's 9-3. and three. He's coming off a two-fight winning streak, beating Eric Spicely six months ago, and then as of late, Charles Bird in a TKO two months ago as a big underdog. I feel like he was a 4-1 to underdog there. And Charles Bird gassed completely after the first round, and uh, Stewart did what he needed to do in there to finish him. The debuting fighter is 7-0, coming out of that Glendale fight team. You know who he's fighting for, the 21-year-old. Mm-mm. For Ed Movement! Ed Movement! Oh, really? <laughs> it's been a while. We haven't seen too many of these guys in here, and they have a little bit of a uh, stigma now that we've seen them not do so well. So, definitely a Tarverian, Edmund Tarverian disciple. Edmund is as well. <laughs> so, Edmund and Edmund, because that's what I'm going to have to go by. That last name is rough. So, the 7 0 fighter. We know out of that Glendale fight team why a lot of these guys get 7-0 and 10-0 and records. His last name in. seems like the capital of Israel or something. <laughs> it's like Shabazian. But um, they tend to pen their records over at Glendale fight team. Like they specifically find fights that are beneficial for their fighters, which most people should do, but sometimes they get really low caliber fighters. And Darren Stewart's fought in there over six, seven times in UFC, came off a three-fight losing streak, and really was able to put a... Clean two-fight winning streak together against Spicely. It doesn't look that good, but against Charles Bird, for sure. Maybe Bird isn't as good as we all thought he was because that was a contender as well, series winner, who fought Stewart. So, again, those contender series guys might not necessarily be UFC caliber yet. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with what I've seen, I like Stewart in this position a little bit more just because I have been able to see more at I got TKO round number two, but I'm going to have to steer clear of this one as well. I'm not going to go too, too heavy on it. Just because the underdogs come and lose, <laughs> I'm going to go with Shava Zian, and I'm going to do KO round three. I just think his gas tank's going to hold up better. Uh, he knows what he's getting into in there. There's a lot of guys coming out of the Glendale Fighting Club that are at least UFC caliber that Edmund does know what he's getting into in the UFC. Um, I don't like the Eric Spicely or the Charles Bird fight that Darren Stewart's fought. I don't know if those guys are necessarily UFC caliber. So I'm going to stay far, far away from this fight, but I got the... Uh, oh, he's the favorite? Minus Shabazian? 120 favorite. Wow. Against so KO the round three. Minus 110 underdog. So they're both, this is a coin flip of a fight. Oh, I think stay away from this one as well because I think it could go either way. I don't think that Zabaizian, Edmund, has uh, been tested in there as, as much, but I also have never really been a big fan of Stewart. You know how we've been kind of giving that guy a little bit of hate just because of his gas tank issues. He always gasses hard. So 8,300 for the debuting Edmund against 7,900 for Stewart. I might play Stewart on a couple. Maybe. 
oh, maybe I need to take my own advice and just steer clear of that one. <laughs> that underdog, I'm just feeling frisky. That underdog's got me riled up. It's got my blood flowing. Oh, see, I should have, I know. I thought I was picking the underdog, but. I just heard the underdog nonstop and it kept enraging me. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on to profile fight at 135 pounds bantamweight, we have Pedro Munoz versus Brian Caraway. Caraway's been lacking. We haven't seen him for a little while in there. The 21-8 and eight fighter last lost a split decision to Cody Stamen eight months ago. But prior to that, has marquee wins over Aljamain Sterling, Eddie Wineland. He did lose to a Sun Sow in a controversial split, but we know what we get with Brian Caraway. Perennial underdog, who's a grinder, who's got nasty submissions, and is willing to cheat his face off to get a win in there. Look at his wins. He has photos of him fish hooking other fighters in the UFC that wasn't called. And even they said it afterwards, but hey, little too late, little too gone. He's poking eyes. He's kicking dicks. He's oh, checking yeah. oil. He's oh, yeah. got it. He's, yeah, <laughs> especially with all that rage he's got after losing the cupcake himself. He's got a little. Not only did he lose um, my girl, Misha Tate. Uh, he could not be, if he was still with her, he wouldn't have to fight anymore. He could be kept stay-at-home cat dad. <laughs> Just saying. So, Brian Caraway uh, has gone through a rough He taught her everything she knows and she's blowing up. It's interesting how he's been kind of like a, the arch nemesis, but still the mastermind of Misha Tate. Like, it's a, been a really interesting relationship that they have there. But... The other relationship we got going on is Pedro Munoz versus Caraway, where Munoz on the ground, we can say a lot of the same things we say for Caraway. World-class jiu-jitsu, Brazilian standout. Striking-wise is where I see the advantage going to Munoz a bit more. Caraway doesn't have the power, never has that had the power of the striking accolades uh, to do much in there. And if someone can match him on the ground, it really takes away his ace in the hole. Caraway tends to be a much more of that... Um, Catch wrestling style where Munoz is a goes for that guillotine nonstop. Where if Caraway wants to take this to the ground, Pedro Munoz has multiple wins in the guillotine after he's been losing rounds to Justin Scoggins and people alike. What I'm basing my prediction off of is this last fight for Brett Johns versus Munoz, where Munoz steamrolled Brett Johns, and I actually had Johns in that fight. And I feel like Johnson's in the same spot maybe a little better striking wise than Caraway is and Caraway with having being 38 years old 34 years old having a long fight career he definitely has slowed down a bit more but Munoz what he did with Johns was wasn't worried about Brett Johns's ground game at all so Munoz came in swinging as hard as he could and Johns couldn't take that and I feel like that's the exact same game plan you kind of got to do with Brian Caraway is not give a shit if he's going to take you down because you're good enough and striking wise that's the path to victory against Brian Caraway and I do think that Munoz, even if he gets on the ground, eventually he can get back up and win a controversial decision because any fight Brian Caraway's in is a dirty split. Time <laughs> and time again, it's a dirty, dirty-ass split. But I got Munoz. I think he ekes it out striking-wise. They reverse each other on the ground a couple times. But uh, watch out also for Caraway's dick grabs and uh, eye pokes. I am not even joking or being facetious. That really, He's that type of fighter, but you're trying to win, so... Can't blame him too much. Who do you have in this fight? Uh, I love Brian Caraway, but Pedro Munoz is better everywhere here. I even think he's better in the grappling. I am not worried about him getting taken down at all, and I think he has far more power. Brian Caraway, this is going to be a boring fight. It's going to... And I don't like the fact that Brian Caraway did not look against good against Cody Stamen. Even though we love Cody Stamen, we think he's one to watch in the division, so that loss to us isn't super surprising. He didn't look great to me at all. I don't think it should have been as close of a split as it was. I think Pedro can kind of do the exact same thing here. So if there's a finish, it's Pedro Munoz, and I also see him eking out of this decision just because he's a little better everywhere. 8,800 on DraftKings against 7,400 for Caraway. I don't know if I'm going to play. He's on Brian there, but he doesn't throw anything. Exactly. His top level, if he gets a win, his top is at 68 points as well. Yeah. Like top, and that's if he gets a few takedowns. Let's say that doesn't happen, then it's 20 points striking. So I don't think Caraway's a play there, but Munoz as well. For a split decision, that's pretty steep. I don't think I'm going to play that heavy. 
But moving on to a final championship fight for the finale, we have a fight that was officially made as of last night with Macy Chiasons, Chiasons versus Penny Kazad. Kazad, I got this with Linda, uh, who was the other fighter, where I was saying she was younger. That was my fault. Oh, where uh, you were saying she Julia fought three other... Stokoli. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, it's Kazad. It, it's Kazad who fought that. I'm getting my ladies mixed up in here. But, uh, so, Kazad has fought in Invicta. She's 10-3. and three. Her only three losses are to UFC caliber fighters. Tanya Evinger, Raquel Paoli, who should be in the UFC. Sarah Kaufman, in a decision. Then she took a break for a little while. Then got a win over... Uh, Damoni, and then five months ago, Carrie Hughes now is on the show. She likes to get the decision. Good, well-all-round fighter. Has okay takedowns, okay striking. Mas uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. Not powerful striker. Not the best takedowns. Okay takedown defense on the ground. She can reverse you. She'll put you in danger, but she won't really finish you. So, not a really advantageous DK spot. As far as somebody who I have exposure to, where Macy does. She's a finisher. She's got power. She's rudimentary on the ground. She can get out grappled, but on the show and with low-level competition, she just has good enough takedown defense to keep this fight where she wants to. And striking-wise, she puts that left on you, and she puts women down, even if she's losing a fight. Um, I think this is a really interesting fight. I initially had the 10-3 and three fighter, the 26-year-old, um, just to, has shown us more. She, she can go into the third round more often and still win decisions where we've seen Macy get ladies out of there. So uh, I keep flipping back and forth with this one. It is a near even. It's a split up pick em. Macy but, must watch the show. She's like, I'm going to get my hair cut like Lesbo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, with this... The reason it's such a coin flip is because they both are really low-level fighters. It's not because they're high-level fighters and it's the finale. This is for the belt, essentially, of this fight. Uh, it's to probably fight Megan Anderson. I'm going to... And and then throw her to freaking Cyborg. I got Kazad decision. I could switch to a finish Macy as well. Hmm. I'm going to stay away from this fight because these are low-level fighters, but... I see if there's a finish out of either one of the fighters, it's Macy finishing. I don't see. I see a decision out of Kazad. I have Kazad decision as well. I don't have too much to add about it. I don't think Macy has super heavy hands at all. I think um, she has all submission victories and against people with no record anywhere. Yeah. And then Kazad, Kazad has beat. She's only lost to people at UFC caliber. So. Um, I'm going to stay away from this fight as well. I have a Kenzad decision. 8,600 for the near even. What are the betting odds? Minus 105 favorite against the minus 115 favorite so as well. Macy's actually the favorite. They're right both now. favorite favorites. It's a coin flip of a fight. But on DraftKings, you're definitely paying up for 8,600 for Kazad against 6,700 against 7, for Macy. I'm going to play Macy in a couple spots here. Because hmm. if there is a finish, like I'm saying, I think it's Macy inside the distance. But other than that, it's probably going to be a boring decision. Oh, stay away from that. <laughs> On to the co-main event of the night. We have the big boys going in here with two 65ers where we have a double debut as well. This is a third double debut, fourth double debut. What's El Guapo too. mean? The handsome one. Is that the is second El Guapo yes. tonight? No, it's not the second El Guapo. Tonight. Yeah, because isn't the first one uh, Chris Gutierrez is El Guapo. Really? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say also Boss Rutin is known as El Guapo. Hmm. So, wow. yeah, another El Guapo just tonight. Wow, wow. Just saying, just saying. But with these A lot of things, handsome going on. <laughs> the Juan is coming out of that Spanish scene. He was a top prospect coming onto the show. He has a former rugby player as well. He's got the cardio for it, but he's only been fighting in MMA for two years and really took it, taken it seriously for two years. He has been a professional athlete for a long time, though. I did even see some of his rugby stuff. Boy, he can move. For a, for a gut and having that fat heavy, he can move really well. 
that we find that the uh, rugby guys have good cardio. Yeah, because they seem that's to do not an easy right. sport. Yeah. That's not an easy sport at all. So he definitely um, has more pads to victory or a more decided pack because on the ground he actually has a really good ground game with a good shot. And I do think that rugby, like a lot of other rugby players, plays well. Like how to take tackle someone down, that's all they do. They know how to shoot a double leg takedown well. And once on the ground... Juan takes over on the ground. And what we've seen with Frazier was the very last pick of all of the heavyweights. But is really just a striker with ultra-limited ground game, zero gas tank. Been proven over and over again on the show. He actually cried the first week and was like, I don't have the cardio for this. I don't know what I'm going to do. Puking in all bad sorts of states. But matchup stylistically, he was able to fight off the takedown for uh, Batista. Get the knockout there. Same with his other prior fight. He was able to fight off the takedown and take down and finally be able to finish it with knees and punches. But out of coming out of American Top Team, Juan has been good. I've heard a lot of good things out of Top Team saying that, hey, this guy's really been putting in the work. A heavyweight, they go into like 42, so the 38 doesn't scare me that that much. And against Frazier being low-level competition as well, 10 and 2. The 29-year-old is going to grow a lot, lot more, especially once he gets some exposure to better camps. But if that takedown defense hasn't gotten better in these last month since this fight was announced, I see Espinoza getting a solid finish in the second or third round due to just wearing him out and finally getting an arm triangle wherever it be. Good passes by Espinoza. But of course... I'm going to end up going with the underdog. TKO round number one, Frazier. I feel like he's just going to throw knees, knees, knees and finish Espinoza. I don't know why. I don't know if I had a dream. I don't know if I thought of it weirdly. I know I got an underdog here at plus 130. Don't side with the bean here, but give me the underdog in Frazier. Who do you have in this fight? Ugh, I think this is going to be such an ugly, weird, not UFC caliber fight. I have Espino. I had Frazier right when you whole started talking. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. Into it. And I'm like, eh, maybe I'm just going to go with the rugby player for the same reason I'm going with Tai Tuvasa tomorrow night. I'm just going to go with that cardio and a fat guy and uh, hope that his chin's okay. Um, but yeah, I had Frazier when you started talking because I think this is just going to be an ugly bar fight. I could see that too. But espinoza could also just push him up against the cage and drag him down and then this fight's over once it's on the ground i might switch to espinoza i might switch back to espinoza. espino espino one might, espino uh, minus 160 i think That's stay away from line. this fight but the sad part about it you're gonna need this fight on your card it's gonna be a fast finish agreed and either, either it's fighter. gonna be worth like 110 points it's if either, you pick the right guy otherwise you're getting like 10 so or 0.5 I got Frazier TKO, Espino by submission if you want to go the other way, but uh, minus 160 favorite. I call that Espino. a hashtag. Stay away. Stay away. 8,500 for Espino against Frazier, 7,700. Also a stay away. Mm, I can see that on DraftKings. You need one of those guys because it's a finish. They're in all of these heavyweight fights, it's a finish. Yeah. They don't have the cardio. They're not like the elite guys for it. So to the main event we go. Main, main event with... Rafael Dos Anjos versus Kamaru Usman. Probably one of the most hyped fights of the entire weekend. The entire weekend. Maybe bigger than Fury. <laughs> Wilder. Just kidding. Best MMA fight of the weekend. It's There's a toss-up between this one and there was one on Adelaide that I'm super... Freaking Rocco versus Jake Matthews. Anthony, Tony. Yeah, that's good, but it's not... Yeah. This is the best fight. Yeah, this is the best fight of the entire weekend. And all the Bellator that puts it to shame. Yeah, true And that, I true even that. think skill level. This is a great Ooh, fight. This is a great fight. At 170 pounds, we have Rafael Dos Anjos versus Kamaru Usman. And if you know Kira Lappi, you gotta trust us. And know that Usman's making his way, his title run. And this is how he does it. Going over a person like Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos coming off with a 28 and 10 record, losing to top-level competition. Last loss, Colby Covington, he got his ear ripped off. His freaking ear came off of his body in that fight. <laughs> but uh, the 13-1 and Kamaru Usman is definitely a lot like Colby Covington, but bigger. <laughs> yeah. It's... It, the only thing that I would say Colby Covington has a bit better than Kamaru Usman is going to be 
his hair, maybe his power in his hands. Kobe Covington has good hands, good cardio. Kamaru Usman does as well. But against Dos Anjos, I don't really see too many people finishing him. His chin is held up in there, especially after he got that titanium plate in there. He's been unstoppable. You've been not, people haven't been able to knock him out in a while. On the ground, I don't see Usman finishing him. And Dos Santos is by far the better BJJ grappler in there. But in MMA, I see Usman getting more of that position and just grinding it out, winning a five-rounder by having that top position, doing a lot of what Colby did. Striking-wise, it was where it gets a little bit iffy for me. I think Dosanos has great leg kicks that can really affect this because that's going to determine what how the shots are going to come in against him. And as far as Kamaru Usman, he fought Damian Maya in a rough fight six months ago. Prior to that, beat Meek. Prior to that, beat Marias in a TKO. Beat Warley Alves. These decisions have been... Uh, he beat Sean Strickland in there as well, which I really like. These decisions have been one-sided and he hasn't taken... Usman hasn't taken much damage, but... Once somebody gets in there that really can't start to put it on him, it's going to be a tough, tough test. And I think Dos Anjos can do that. I think Dos Anjos on the ground is more than serviceable. Striking is more than serviceable. Has great takedown defense. And even in losses, Dos Anjos keeps going. Against Tony Ferguson, he didn't give up in there. Against Colby Covington, his ear ripped off. He didn't give up in there. Yeah, but he didn't win any rounds either. True, 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 true. And... I mean, I got Usman here, and it's the size. This is because Dos Anjos, to me, is a 165-er. I agree. Usman I agree. is a 185-er who needs a 175-pound division or something like that. But it's just Dos Anjos can't make that cut to 55 anymore where he's his best. And Usman still can because he's young enough to cut down to 70. So I think it's too big of a size advantage. And I feel like the physicality is going to be the biggest factor in this entire fight. But what I really don't like about Usman is that the 30% on Meek that he was hurt, and then when he double broke his hands. Remember that he broke both hands last fight? Oh, yeah. He said he hurt himself. Hurt himself and broke both hands, and nothing happened. Not to say that his hands didn't hurt, but when some, when that happened, when people are saying stuff like that, and then they change their fight style, somebody who's a hard-nosed, tough guy that goes forward can exploit that potentially. And Dos Anjos, Davy and Maya isn't that guy. Dos Anjos is more that guy than most other fighters he's fought in there. So I still see this being an excited fight, exciting fight. I still have Usman, but I think a lot of people have been shaming Dos Anjos, and I don't agree with that. Dos Anjos is a top-level fighter. At 170, not as good as he is at 55, but H catch is up to you. I like Dos Anjos' hands better here. I think he has that straight-up straight, straight up boxing where Usman has pretty crappy looping punches. He doesn't have great hands at all. I also like Dos Anjos. I do think he could leg kick Usman, but that's just going to get him taken down. And once it happens once in the first round, it's going to happen again and again and again. I think the audience is going to be so bored. It's going to be Las Vegas, so they're going to be booing to hell. Usman's going to try to speak afterwards. They're going to be booing him all then, and he's going to have some weird excuse and get even less fans after a decisive victory over Dos Anjos, I think less people will even be a fan of him. By the time he even builds up, he might even fight Colby next, and Colby people might be cheering for Colby. Like I, it's he's not doing himself any favors. I have Usman all day here. I think he wins all five rounds handedly. Wow! I just think he can take him down and wear Dos Anjos out. I think he's a huge guy, like you're saying, yeah. compared to uh, Rafael. This isn't a good fight for Rafael. I think everything Colby did, Usman does. Colby has better technique. I think Usman has more power with his hands. But as far as wrestling goes, Usman handle anywhere Colby handled Dos Anjos, Usman does it times two. So Usman, handed decision, put him everywhere you can. So you do agree with the minus 270 favorite, three to one favorite over Dos Anjos? Yeah, I kind of don't That's like the where two. I, know. I don't like the division for Dos Anjos. I don't yeah. think it's his. Uh, now, once we saw, because he beat Magny easily at 170, which Magny isn't the biggest 70-er, but Colby, who is a big 70-er, we really saw that size affect yeah. him. And I feel like, again, that's going to play here. 9,000 for Kamaru Usman on DraftKings. Again, 7,200 for Dos Anjos. I for 7-2, I don't think Dos Anjos is also the... I don't see him getting for finished. For a five-rounder, right? Yeah, I don't see him getting finished. And gosh damn, though, Usman doesn't take any damage. So it, he is one of those guys that how much is Dos Anjos going to lay hands? He didn't lay hands a ton on Colby. So for 9,000, a five-round fight, 
He could be is some of the underdog. I think you could put both guys on a few cards. I could see that as well. I could see this stacking this But one. I got Usman. Still. I got Usman as well. I think well. he's going to have so many takedowns. That plays a lot in the DraftKings yeah. world. That plays a lot. So definitely stick around on the Twitter and or YouTube. We're going to also be on the IG in case we get our last weigh-in or any props we decide to put out there. Oh, yeah. Make sure you're following us everywhere because we're going to be putting out all of our final cards. We're both going to go watch weigh-ins right now. Then we got weigh-ins tomorrow night, fights tomorrow, Whoop. maybe Tyson Fury. We could be if coming to you Saturday. Yeah, we if could be the... coming to you Saturday just to talk about Wilder for Fury. So, yeah, like, subscribe. Make sure you love Lesbo and the Bean because we love you. Lesbo and the Bean! Thanks for listening to Let Be. For all things Lesbo and the Bean, head over to lesboandthebean.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.